with U.S. Soccer Coach Greg Berhalter here in D.C. Exciting announcement today, obviously. I just want to kind of get into the, the meat of some of the stuff I want to talk to you about, though, uh, in terms of the coaching side of it. You're now going through this as a second time, kind of, and everyone is – you've talked at length before, various interviews about the difference between coaching club and country. What is the difference for you, though, going in the second time around as a, as a national team coach and some of the things you learned in that first four years? You know, I think the important thing is um, to be focused on getting better. We feel like we did a lot of good things in, in the first term, but now it's about how do you get better, not being complacent, really trying to take the group from, um, from one level to the next. And, uh, you know, and that's the key to me is that, you know, whatever you did in the past, um, you evaluate it, but the whole intention is, is to improve. Right, but like, what, what are the things that you learn? You, know, you talk about the differences yeah. between club and country. Like, what are the things you learn in that first four years that you, you apply to then accomplish that goal of getting better? You know, it's, it's interesting because I think the experience alone, you know, particularly for the players participating in a World Cup, um, you know, it gives you the comfort of that going into this next World Cup, they understand what it's like. They understand mm. how difficult the games are. They understand the difference between winning and losing and potentially what it takes to win these games. Um, you know, World Cup games, particularly the knockout games, are, are very challenging. Very little separates the teams. And it's about being, you know, tuned in for every moment uh, during the game to get the result that you need. Uh, I want to ask you tangentially about, I'm sure, what, what is one of your least favorite topics in terms of what happened with Gio and the, the last World Cup. Um, you've talked about that specifically before, but, but I think one of the things that's interesting from like a mass, you know, we're obviously a, a sports talk radio show is, is the audience that this will go to as opposed to the hardcore locked in soccer fan. But the idea that, you know, you're, you're representing the country and with that comes some level of transparency as a national team coach. You're also a coach trying to protect your team. And so as you navigated that situation and any other situation that might arise, how do you balance the need to be transparent and like, yes, we are representing you, the crest, the country, versus protecting your team and kind of that locker room? Well, I think it starts with your group. It starts with, you know, the trust that you have between the group and the players. And you work hard over the course of four years to build that trust. And I think that's, you know, when, when you have teammates that can look each other in the eye and, um, and they know that they're going to they're gonna lay everything on the line for the person next to them, then you're in a really good spot. And, you know, so when we move into these, this next two and a half year period, you know, that's where the team needs to get to again. You know, you could be at a certain place um, in the last World Cup, and now it's about how do you get back to that for 2026. So when you, specific to my question, though, in terms of, you know, talking about the dynamics of, of what's going on within a team who's, you know, kind of the stock up, stock down. Do you feel a different level uh, of necessity to share with the press and thus the fans? We're just the conduit compared to, say, when you were at Columbus with the crew and kind of that more private club environment. Well, I, I think there's there's certainly more attention on the national team when the national team plays um, because we don't play that often. And when we do, it's big news. Um, there's a lot of attention around our players. A lot of our players are very high-profile players. Um, and, you know, the, the policy that we have in general has always been to be more transparent than less transparent. Um, you know, for us, it's not about, you know, coveting information or, or holding secrets. You know, it's, it's very simple. We want to create a team that, that, um, that works well together. We want to create a team that, that 
works for each other and a team that understands what they're doing on the field. Yeah, I know it's tough, so I appreciate your, your answer to that question. Uh, more on the pitch now. Uh, when you think about what it means to develop a style and to build a team for American soccer, now that the player pool is so diverse in terms of not just where they come from, but where they're playing, has that become harder, do you think, than compared to when you were playing or even four years ago to try to really identify the style and, and the tactics that are best for this group? No, I think it's easier because when you look at it in general, you know, our, our top players are all playing at very high levels and, um, you know, they're playing in Champions League games and they're playing at the absolute pinnacle of the sport. Uh, and when you have players like that, it means they're, they're easily... So you're saying having good players is good for a coach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it helps a coach for sure. But I think, it, but more specifically, I think it helps with the, the flexibility of the players. They're used to having to, um, you know, play different formations and they're used to being coached at a high level and I think that's helpful um, you know when you see for example the example I'll give you is Christian Pulisic you see the manager that, that that he's worked with over the last five years you know some of the top managers in the game and, and with each one of them they play different styles and he, he's have to adapt um, you know for as he's gone how hard is it for you to evaluate whether it's for a Copa America or ultimately a World Cup if a guy is playing one position, one role at a club team versus what you maybe envision for them? At the the, that's team? the challenge. I think the yeah. biggest challenge is when they're doing something completely different than you're going to be asking them to do. Um, and it happens, though. And, and again, we have to be adaptable. You know, we have to fit into, you know, we have to work around our best players because that number is limited. Um, it's not like a club team where you can just get another guy. Right. Um, and so we're, we're looking at our guys all the time. We're, we're seeing their skill sets and we're, we're adapting and we're trying to fit them in the, the best way possible. And then last but not least, that number nine position has been a struggle for a while now at the U.S. level, but there is an incredible influx of young talent. How do you see that position stacking up going into this summer? You know, I think we've improved in that position for sure. Um, and, you know, it's we want to keep going. We want to keep supporting our guys, whether that's Ricardo or Ballo or Josh Sargent or Haji Wright or, you know, uh, the, you, you know, there's a there's a ton of guys that have been out there doing well in, in the striker position. And we want to just keep supporting them. Or And um, Jordan Sebatchu is another one. So we have guys out there. And now it's just about, um, you know, seeing how they fit into what we do. Greg Berhalter, thank you so much. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you.